Yo, what up, party people? <laughs> it's our fucking Christmas episode. What up, Christmas party people? <laughs> yeah, happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all that good stuff. Festivus. That's for right. the rest of us. <laughs> We're getting our holiday cheer on in this episode. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. It's Fried Squirms. We're going to talk about horror, as we do every week. And to start it off, and to really get truly festive, we're going to do the other thing we do every week. Take some green hits and get a little bit stoned. <laughs> Once again, I feel bad because it's been like a month straight now, but that's what happens when you get such a good deal oh, on man. weed. You're just going to be smoking some Jack H. Look, I'm there. not complaining. That's one of my favorite sativa, so I'm quite happy with that. Legendary sativa. If you're listening to us because we smoke weed, you probably already know that strain. Exactly. So just know it's named after the legendary activist, too. So mm-hmm. this week I did pick up a strain. I don't know if I brought it over before, but this particular strain, it is called the Gelato Watermelon Skittle strain. So for those who are curious, it is a cross of the two strains, Watermelon Skittles and Gelato 45. And you get this indica dominant strain, which is dubbed the Watermelon Gelato. So long story short, this particular one, it has very earthy and fruity sweet smells. You'll be energetic, creative, happy, and tingly. For those who are also curious, this particular one at our shop, it's like right at 25% roughly Okay. THC. The terpene profile on this is it's high in beta-carophyllene, limonene, and alpha-humulene. And the humulene is similar to like Linalool, where it's very calming effect. The limonene is the lemony taste you'll get out of it. And the karyophyllene is typically associated with like some of the earthy and peppery tones that you'll get. So you'll have a little bit of that on the notes. You know, I might smoke myself stupid over the week and forget to bring it up, but I did pick up a new strain today. Nice. It's just not loaded in your J. So if I remember next week, I'll talk about whether I ended up liking this can of tonic that I picked up or not. I didn't make sure to write down the exact lineage. Normally, I stay away from the CBD heavy strains because that's not what I'm going for. I'm going to get stoned. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? This one looked interesting, though. The actual THC content is only around 7%. The CBD content's closer to like 16%. But like that THC content, I did see some of the genetics on this, and it's coming from G13. And we've talked about in the past... There's studies that seem to show that if you're already an everyday smoker, it doesn't matter if you're getting like the 30% THC or not. What you're really doing is more just topping off your system. So I'm curious to see, being already a heavy stoner, whether this is still going to get me the buzz I want along with the relaxation from the CBD, or if it's going to be lacking. The bud tender did tell me that he's been enjoying it, though. So There you go. That might be a good sign. Yeah. That's good news to hear. I'm curious. The genetics looked good enough that I was willing to try it. So Yeah, well, a little bit later on, we're going to try out an edible that was uh, given to us. And this particular edible is an Almond Joy. It's kind of like a, an Almond Joy cup, like a peanut butter cup mm-hmm. of sorts. And this one, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's up in uh, Kalispell from Awesome Blossom. And it's like 77 milligrams. So if we split it, I've already said it's like 38 and a half milligrams, which... Typically, a dose is, what, 10 milligrams, you know, depending on your body weight and all that stuff. So I think typically when I'm looking at an edible, like, I know that between 20 and 30 tends to get me, like... Likewise. Where I can still function pretty normally. Right, where it's not laying us out. But this one, because it is an indica-dominant one... We'll see what happens. Yeah, so that's why I said we might want to save it for the latter part of this podcast. Agreed. Let's start in on our green hits... 
and then we can go into who and what went into these rare exports and uh, get into the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right. Guts and bolts, rare exports, the Christmas tale. This section, we go through who and what went into the making of this movie before we get into actually talking about it, give them their dues. Start off with a little spoiler-free setup for the flick in case you've never seen it before and you're trying to decide whether you want to. A Finnish kid finds out the truth about Santa Claus? Yeah, I know what you mean without like spoiling anything. I know it's super simple, but... Uh, and it's a dark truth in this one. Right. So think about the setting where it was filmed, and that might give you a little idea of what this version of A Christmas Tale is about. Yeah, I guess we can save all the details for the next section. It's about <laughs> a little kid finding out the, yeah, truth, the truth behind Santa. <laughs> exactly. It's just real dark. That's like super bare bones, but that's exactly what this is. So there you go. Rare exports. <laughs> I know that you'll have notes on who's actually in this yeah, so, and who made it. And you're going to do your best to say some of these Finnish names. Yeah. Keep in mind, I'm not a linguist. I don't claim to be. If, I do watch hockey and soccer. And so I'm familiar with some of these names, but some I'm probably going to fuck up. So forgive me in advance. <laughs> right before we started recording this, we were listening to fucking Finnish folk music and folk metal because I'm super into like Finnish music. I can't say this shit. <laughs> hey, we're going to give our go. You know, we're not shy, but once again, we're not experts either. I know we've made that dubious claim several times, but here we go. So the people going into the film, we're going to start with the director, Yalmari Helander, and a big film of note because this gentleman is known for a lot of short films. I think he's won several awards for some of his short films, but he's known for the theatrical film, Big Game, which a lot of these people, cast and crew are a part of. All right. On top of being the director, he is a part of the writing team. His brother, Yuso. How had I never heard of this big game movie? I'm looking at it right now. Sam Jackson, Ray Stevenson, Victor Garber, yeah. Ted Levine, Jim Broadbent. How have I never heard of this fucking movie? I've never heard of it prior to us looking into these credits, so you're not the only one. But I was mentioning the original idea was based upon Yal Murray and his brother, Yuso Halander, they did a couple of short films, actually. They did, like, Rare Exports, Inc., and then because of the success of that, limited success, they also did one about, like, the safety instructions and what have you back in 2007. So anyway, the original ideas were based upon their story from the shorts, and then Yalmari, with the help of Petri Yokaranti and Sami Parkinen, helped write the dialogue and the script for this film. Right, the cinematographer is Mika Orasma. They are also the DP on Big Game, the film Iron Sky, and Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Editor is Kimo Ta'avila, and they are known for the films Private Eyes Veras, Mitsutari, and the film The River. The music was also composed by a pair of brothers, and those brothers are Yuri and Miss Kasepa, and they're known also for composing the music for the film Big Game, the film Oddsville Christmas, Happier Times Grump. Right. The special effects was done by Fake Graphics. They helped with the visual effects and Laplan Studio. They were the second unit on the visual effects. This was produced by Agnes B, FX France, Peter Yokaranti, and Newt Skoglund. Several production companies on this. I don't necessarily have to list them because there's like a dozen. Just know that mm. most of them are from the Nordic region. There's like Norway, Denmark, and Finnish production companies involved. 
because typically with European films, they get financed from countries. So that's why you see a lot of these teams on here. Kind of same thing with distributors. There's a shit ton of distributors. I think Kinology, they help with all media for the 2010 worldwide release. And then every single country, if you look at it, I think the version that we probably watched was released by Oscilloscope for the 2010 mm. USA. It was very limited theatrical release. All right. The release dates on this, I do have some interesting news about one of these dates because I gleaned a little bit of information on this, but it premiered in Switzerland on August 7th, 2010 at the Locorno Film Festival. And this particular film festival has one of the largest, maybe the largest outdoor screen in the world, and they packed it out. So its premiere had a sold out show outside theater. Yeah, it was like... I could be wrong with the dimensions, but I want to say it was like 25 by 18 meters. Okay. It's huge. Damn. Yeah, huge. Damn. All right. So with that being said, it also premiered September 14th, 2010 at the Toronto International Film Festival in Canada. And here in the state, September 24th, 2010 at the Austin Fantastic Fest. And then it had like its worldwide release on December 3rd, 2010. All right. We have a budget of 1.95 million euros. It grossed a little over $200,000 here in the States. Once again, because I mentioned, it only had a limited release to about 20 theaters. It opened up to one theater here in the States, <laughs> but it's kind of wild. But because of that, like I said, it had a $200,000 or so gross here in the States, but a $4.03 million worldwide gross. And the taglines on this, some of them aren't on the nose. I'm going to try my best not to hit those. Let me see here. We've got this Christmas, everyone will believe in Santa Claus. And then one of them again is from the land of the original Santa Claus and be ready to believe in Santa again. So those are some of the taglines. All right. And then moving into our cast, once again, a lot of Finnish people here. We have Oni Pumila. He plays the role of Pitari. I don't think they ever say their last name, but it's Contillo. I can't think of them ever saying their last no, name. No, but, but he's the lead kid that you were talking about in this film. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the films that he's been in, he was in the film Last Cowboy Standing, and he was also a part of Big Game. All right now, his father in this film, also his father in real life, is Hjor Matomila. He plays the role of Rano Contillo. Wait, that's really his dad? That's his real dad. That's fucking dope. Yeah. By the way, they're both great actors. They really are. <laughs> Apple didn't fall far from that tree. So he's got a lot of credits to his name. Like I said, a lot of Finnish films. Some of those of note are the films The Christmas Party, Big Game, and a film entitled Back to the USSR. All right, we have Tommy Corpella. He plays a role of Aimo in the film. And some films of note from him. He was in the film Distractions, Falling Angels, and A Man's Job. Now, once again, these aren't English films. These are Finnish films translated <laughs> to English. Aimo also kind of looks like he could be captain of the fucking local rugby squad or something. He does. He does. Dude's solidly built. <laughs> yeah, he went fucking around. <laughs> All right. We have actor Rauno Hjovenen. He plays the role of Piep Paranen. Okay, so he is known for the film, once again, Big Game, the film Hopetit, and Lipton Cockton in the Shadows of Sodoma from 95. All right, we have actor Per Christian Ellefson. He plays the role of Riley in the film. I think he's the leader of the excavation crew, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So some films of note from him. He was in the film Elling from 2001, Love Me Tomorrow from 2005, and he voiced several characters in a video game called The Longest Journey from 1999. Hmm. All right. We have Pieter Jacobi. He plays Pietari's elf in the film. 
We'll get okay. into that. But some films of note from him. He was in Vera Kivi and the film Living Images. We have Jonathan Hutchings, whose name in the film is Brian Green. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, go figure, dude. The one English name in this film. But uh, some films of note from him. He was in the film Seasick, The Ruined Eye, and the film Might. And last but not least, I know there's a lot of elves in this film. Right, but there's right. W- one we see very prominently. Right, and I've already mentioned him. Yeah. But the last person that I have of note in this is Risto Salmi. He plays the role of the sheriff in this film. And a few films of note, he was in The Unknown Soldier, the film Raid, and once again, the film Big Game. So, yeah, pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup of what this film entails. It should give you a few warnings. This is a weird one to give warnings for. Because the tone of this movie is extremely family-friendly. It is. It really is. The warnings is that, like, mild spoiler, like, you do see a dude get a pickaxe to the head, which is probably the extent of the on-screen violence. Right. You know, there's a a scene where a dude gets his ear bit. And it does a cutaway, though. Right, right, right. And you just see, like, the after effects, which is, you know, some blood and stuff like that. But you don't, right, yeah, you don't see that part. You just see the after but they do drop the F-bomb a few times. I mean, there are mutilated animals. There's mutilated corpses, animals. Yeah. And there's a bunch of old dudes hanging dong. There are. There's a lot of dong in this film. <laughs> Unexpectedly. And I've seen it once, and I totally forgot there was dong in this film. So those are the warnings. Yeah. But to be honest, like, the feel of this movie is family-friendly dark fantasy. I would agree. So... It's kind of a mixed warning, because those honestly aren't the worst things in the world to have to run into in a movie. I agree, yeah. Especially to have a movie as fun as this. <laughs> and point. we'll get into all more of the details as to, like, why there's a bunch of dudes hanging dong. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, yeah. There's a reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like I've given away a lot more of how I feel about this movie and this warning uh, than funny. a lot of others. But I think it's worth being said, because if you just lay out, like, the warnings in this movie, it makes it sound worse than it is. Yeah, exactly. But we're just giving you kind of a heads up on what is in the film. Mm -hmm. Just it required context. Agreed. (laughs) That being said, let's actually spoil this flick and find out how it made us squeal. Talk about some rare exports. How does that make you squeal? Woo! Rare exports. I don't know how I slept on this one this long. I do enjoy it quite a bit. However, having now seen it, I'm kind of surprised it gets as much critical acclaim as it does, because I'm not sure who the audience of this movie is. (laughs) And I think that's a good point, because if you look at box office numbers, I'd mention it grossed $4 worldwide. Out of that $4 over $3 of it came straight out of Finland. So if that gives you any ideas. I mean, that's cool. And that makes me happy. And I know they're happy. Oh, yeah. This is probably like a little bit of a national treasure for them. Well, that and Finland ranks number one on like the world happiness fucking scale. Yeah. No homework. Let kids be kids. Healthcare. You know, we can get into this all day long. If I fucking ever get out of the United States, my number one choice is Finland. Oh, yeah. That would be a lot of fun, dude. Number two is probably New Zealand. Oof, I'm with you there. Number three, I know people in the Czech Republic. I've always kind of wanted to go there. I don't know if I'd want to live there, but... like That'd be fun. You can still travel all around Europe from that point. But the point is, number one's Finland. So that made me happy straight off. 
I don't have any connection to Finland other than I like a lot of folk metal and go figure like 70% of folk metal bands are from Finland. Yeah. And my only connection, <laughs> if you want to call it a connection is I like hockey and there's a lot of Finnish hockey players in the NHL. So there you go. But then it feels like the more I find out about it, the more I like it. Yeah. It's a really interesting country, a really cool history, you know, not too far from the North Pole, hence why you get this tale, so to speak. So yeah, it's pretty neat. But like I said, I'm not sure who the audience of this movie is. It feels too family-friendly for how dark it's supposed to be. It feels too grown-up to be aimed at kids the age oh, of yeah. our protagonist. It would wreck them. And you <laughs> see, like, 50 old man-dongs. Exactly. So it's for some well, that, in between. That's for Europe. Right. Europe's cooler with nudity. Yeah, it's like, whatever. It's no big deal. But let's be honest. Having 50 old man-dongs in your movie kills it everywhere else. It does. You're like, oh, damn. They did that. Yeah, they did. There's dick right there. And it makes it harder to be the fucking <laughs> flick for your average American family to be able to show oh, man. to their kids. Yeah. Because this otherwise, well, you would have to know your own kid really well to be like, okay, here you go. Because in the end, it's more family-friendly than it's not. It's more of an empowering kids movie than it's not. Yeah. That's a good point, too. Well, yeah, I think with the 50-odd new dudes that you see in here, it does kind of kill it for the rest of the potential audience. However, it's a critically acclaimed flick, and I see why. It's, it's fun, a man. lot of fun. Yeah, in, all the way through. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of the kind of fun you would have with almost like a Spielberg flick. You know, one of the reviews I actually got to watch a little bit before I came over was somebody had mentioned that. They were like, you know, had Steven Spielberg made a version of this Santa Claus, you know, say from the 80s, this probably would have been something like it. Agreed. To me, it even has a little bit, I mean, I know it's not taken from it, but it has a little bit of a feel like a Gremlins movie too. I was thinking Gremlins when I was watching it last night. I was like, kind of Gremlins-y. Right. Ish. Yeah, ish, Exactly weirdly both less dark and more dark yeah considering i don't know how to better explain it i feel like you understand what i'm saying if you've seen the movie <laughs> that's just it right but i don't know how to out. better explain it than that because parts of this it. feel genuinely like a dark european flick you know that's a good point too and i think maybe the mastery of the director taking advantage of the setting and the mood i can see that the way this film is shot, too, it's done really well. Like, the craftsmanship behind it, it's a really well-shot film. The acting is on point. I can't complain about that. I mean, there's some things here and there that aren't perfect, but it doesn't tarnish anything about the film is what I'm getting at, too, because of that. It's not laugh-out-loud funny, but you're chuckling through most of it. Yeah, there's some good dark comedy bits in this. And somebody else pointing this out is they do a good job of playing it straight, meaning, like, they don't ever kind of deviate from what they're actually doing or like break Nobody's the third wall Nobody's making a joke shit. on screen. Precisely. It's because of what's happening, it becomes that dark comedy mm -hmm. because of happenstance, context, and situational stuff. Yeah. But, you know, here's how I kind of found out about it. I know we've mentioned this several times. We're both a part of different Facebook groups related to horror and cinema in general. And this is one I had seen pop up several times on different Facebook groups and the one thing that threw me off a little bit about it, and this is to be quite frank, is the cover. And I'm like, I, I don't know how, is this a serious film? What, you know, it's kind of hard to, to gauge, of course. And it wasn't until I watched it, I was like, oh shit, no wonder. 
I can't remember when I first heard about it. I know it was a couple years ago, but it was only recently that it really re-entered my like sphere. Actually, because of some of the same Facebook groups, but I'll add a little tag onto that in a second. But I remember first looking it up on Wikipedia. It doesn't say shit about horror. It I calls know. it a fantasy movie, which isn't a lie. I agree. But like when you look it up on like the database, it's what dark comedy horror fantasy something like that comedy yeah, horror fantasy something like that yeah adventure fantasy horror which yeah it is as well the adventure is probably why it feels kind of like a fucking spielberg flick there's a lot of those beats it's what it is seeing that right off when you're going straight from like a horror group hmm. it doesn't fill you with the most like confidence in the flick you know what i know I what mean? you're saying yeah all that stuff is so subjective. You don't know some of these people's tastes in movies, and that can kind of gauge whether or not you want to watch a film, mm-hmm. you know? And that's no discredit to anybody, but, you know, we all like different things. It's just the way it is. I'll be honest, in a couple of the groups, there's some members I always look for the opinion of, not because I agree with them, because I'm almost always the opposite of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so it gives you a good meter, so to speak. Mm-hmm. on whether or not you want to check out that film based on some people's opinions and taste in movies. So, But this one, like, it came up a lot, and it was from different people, and I was like, all right, well, let me... Sometimes it's just like, give it a chance, 10, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Big deal. 10, 15 minutes, not that huge of a loss. But it was also seeing a Facebook post, not in one of those groups, that made me suggest it for doing it for our Christmas episode this year. Nice. And it's because one of my uncle's randomly who i don't talk with as often as i really should especially because he's one of my favorite uncles to be honest and he's not doing much else these days was basically put out a post like yo people are like sleeping on this movie basically and i was like yeah you're right i've been sleeping on this maybe i'll bring it up and if we end up doing it we end up doing it and we ended up doing it yeah i've got no qualms i'm i'm happy that we did it's a good film so Thank you, Uncle Ray. Awesome, man. Hell yeah. (laughs) Way to pump it up. No, it's fun when you kind of get those unexpected posts like that or just unexpected word of mouths or recommendations. It's like, all right, maybe this is just another reason for me to fucking why not check it out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of how I went about it. It was like, you know, I'll check it out, see what all the fuss is about. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is a good film. (laughs) When you had suggested that you would like to do, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm all on board. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're bringing you a flick where Santa is a giant fucking demon. Yeah, I like it a lot. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. But here we go. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. All right. Can you pronounce (laughs) how the Finnish call their version of Santa Claus? Yule goat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to give you the English. Uh, No, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. I'm going to try it. I think think it's Yulapuki. Okay. But I had to look it up, too, because I was like, I don't know how familiar I am with this version of Santa Claus or what have you. So you're right. It literally means Christmas goat or Yule goat. The pookie comes from the Teutonic root bok, which is a cognate of the English buck and means billy goat. (laughs) Right. And an old Scandinavian custom, the figure is now, of course, being conflated with Santa Claus. But this is not your friendly St. Nick delivering presents to the kids. No, it's... As you eventually see at the end, like worked into their logo, the original Santa Claus. Love it, man. So good, you know? But one of the things that makes this film seem so charming is when you get to the end and you realize why it's named what it's named. Precisely. And I think that's the redeeming thing about this film is that it it is kind of a, you know, it's a happy ending. It's a a feel-good film. 
of course, we mentioned the minus side of it, but regardless of that, if you're comfortable with that and your kids are, you know, comfortable with that stuff, it's not something that is like the focal point it just happens to be in there. But what the point being is, is that I wouldn't be shy to show this to most families, you know, or at least recommend it. So I didn't think it was a big enough point to bring up in our normal warnings, but one other thing that's of note in this movie <laughs> that could potentially be a weird point for people, especially these days, mm-hmm. is that it's a movie where, f- how old is that kid? Yeah, they can't be older than probably 10, 11. Like I was going to say like eight. Uh, yeah, even that, I'd say that's eight, nine, 10, 11 at right. the oldest. Yeah, so this regardless. is a movie where an eight-year-old is packing a 12-gauge for three quarters of the movie. Yeah, dude, he's <laughs> packing heat. And... You know how easy it is just to pull that trigger and not even mean to? (laughs) That was the one thing I wish he would have had a little bit better muzzle discipline in a couple of the scenes. There was none so bad that I can like immediately recall it. But I remember when I was watching the movie, I was like, ooh, you should not have let your muzzle fucking wander right there. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. That's the thing. It's like, that's, yeah, could have been bad. (laughs) But that's that's also not something you're going to, that's going to fly in most American flicks these days. Yeah, is an eight-year-old packing a 12-gauge for three-quarters of the movie. Uh, yeah, because we have a fucked-up history with uh, arms and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I can, I can see that. Finland's got it down, from what I understand. That's another reason why they're typically number one in a lot of categories. Right? <laughs> yeah. This stuff kind of writes itself, man. <laughs> so, yeah, different type of, quote-unquote, Santa Claus. And, yeah, so I think that's what makes it different. But also because there's a lot of similarities, too, with some of the reindeer and everything else that you get in this film so it's not too far off the beaten path because once again it's conflated with modern day santa claus yeah you get all the elements even if it's different the reindeer are a huge part of this movie in a much much different sense exactly and i like that too because it's historically it's true because it's tied to that region Mm -hmm. and doing a little bit of reading about that region too it's home to like hundreds of thousands of reindeer like damn that's interesting because that ties right back into the santa claus story itself you know, so that's I think that was pretty neat. And I read somewhere, too, about I wish I had a little bit more information, but about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and stuff like that, that it's because it's ties to reindeer. There's so many similarities to where it's kind of accepted, too, mm-hmm. with the Yolapuki and all that other stuff. So, dude, the history of Santa Claus and like how it ties a bunch of different things from all over those regions mm-hmm. is so fucking interesting. Exactly. Because I grew up knowing more about like the Kris Kringle character yeah, as the inspiration. The, the Coca-Cola Santa. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, another cool thing I liked about this film too is growing up, once again, I was not very religious growing up, but there were certain traditions we did. And one of them was the advent calendar. Mm. You know, so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's funny because we never did an advent calendar and actually grew up like decently religious. Yeah, it was just... It was a part of that tradition because my grandmother was Roman Catholic, you mm-hmm. know, so she still carried certain traditions. But I wasn't. But I like the idea of opening up a different window and getting a piece of chocolate every Heck night. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm familiar with that. We need to do a fucking edible advent calendar. Oh, dude. <laughs> Best Christmas ever. <laughs> I love it. Ooh. Yeah, that one... That's the adult version. That's that's what I'm talking about. I've seen like little that's like dope. liquor ones with like the mini yeah, liquor bottles. Before. Exactly. But I ain't never heard one about edibles, dude. You might be on yeah, something. Do the edible one. Yeah, dude. I like it. Shit, we're going we're going recreational next year. We'll fucking start that up as our side business. <laughs> side hustle. You heard it here first. 
Uh, I think it doesn't work like that, does it? I think we still have to get licensed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> but I, I think that's a great idea. It's going into the OG sand of it all and kind of the beginning of the movie. I'm curious because I didn't even know where to start to doing the research, especially with the images that they actually used in the movie. But do you think all of those images in that opening title sequence were legit old school Santas? Or were some of them maybe made for the flick and or actually the devil and there yeah. it looks enough like Santa in this movie that they're just like, fuck it, we're just going to throw it in there. Yeah, I think there was, maybe it was last week, we talked about certain things like the ghoul, whether or mm -hmm. not it was written into the story or was actually part. So I feel like this is probably another example of that. There's probably some truth in it, but there's also probably some stuff written for the film. Right. You know? Because some of those I'm like... I don't know. The thing sitting on a fucking mountain of skulls. Yeah. That seems like a stretch. Yeah. 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 But maybe like, not. I was like, I kind of want to believe it. <laughs> you know, I hope it's, that's what it is, but I mean, I don't shit know. like, shit like the Krampus is from this region, mm -hmm. not Finland, but right. you know, like, and that's fucking dark shit. Exactly. Like they do dark shit. I'm okay with that. I listen to metal from the region. It's dark <laughs> shit. It's cause that's what happens when you grow up in the fucking cold ass oh, nothingness. Gosh. Yeah, you're gonna be. It was fucking beautiful. Yeah, like but you're gonna be a little bitter because it's fucking goddamn scenery. It's porn, cold. But. No, no, no. Like the landscape's remarkable, but it's nothing. You're out in the fucking cold. Yeah, I mean it's wide open and it's cold. You're right. Oof, you're gonna be a little bitter. Yeah, you're gonna make some songs about that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not always happy. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna make culture like that's cold, at and times. that's okay. It we works. We get it. Yeah, it works. We get it. It's fun. We're from the land of the Wendigo, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. We get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, fucking homeboy. Uh, uh, Pitari. Pitari. Yeah. Just fucking right out in his skivvies. Hardcore as shit. Dude, that's exactly what I was thinking. All right. I was like, man, this kid, there ain't no way my little skinny ass, at, you know, at that age is running out in the cold like that. I like the cold. I wouldn't do that shit. No, 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 no. Not unless you're paying me or I'm drunk. <laughs> Precisely, dude. <laughs> it just lets you know. It gives you another idea of like, this is them, man. This is what they're used to. Not me. Well, and like you said, I didn't think it was a very big warning to bring up the gun issue because they set it up pretty early on. Like you see they're out in a fucking mountain valley in the middle of nowhere and then when his dad's like, you shouldn't even be outside right now because the wolves are going to get wolves, you. Yeah. You're like, you know what? If wolves are that big of a problem in this area, yeah. I'd be letting my kid run around with a 12 gauge too. Right. You know, and that's a way of life because this is kind of more of a, a hunting community. You know, Which also I get. I've been a gun owner since I was five years old. Right. So. And it's like, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. That's their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's just what they're, you know, accustomed to at this point. So it makes sense the things they do in this film, mm -hmm. you know? So a little early on too, what I like is how they set it up, especially the way they do like the, even though it's, you know, it's not like we haven't seen it before, but they give you the 24 days before Christmas mm -hmm. and the guy we find out to be Brian Green, one of the British excavation team members is, you know, he's telling that guy Riley, which throughout the film, there was a certain point. I'll go ahead and say this now. I'll get it out of the way. I was like, damn, if they ever did an American version, which I'm not saying they should, but I'm saying if they did. I was like, he looked a lot like Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yeah. It hit me a couple of times. I was like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but long story short is what I'm getting at, is that they find sawdust while they're drilling. And this is at like 1,300 feet down into that mountain, right? Kovratuturi. And 
the cool thing was like the guy was he was like he knows right and he's telling brian he's like yeah he's like they used to keep ice packed in sawdust back in the old days and he's like we need to keep drilling deeper and he's like we're already doing that <laughs> right and it comes to a point where he, he tells the guys he's like look we're sitting on the largest burial mound in the world and he's like my childhood dream is coming true and he's like, we need to rob the grave. Right. <laughs> yeah. Saying basically got 24 days to rob the grave. And then, yeah, when it gets to like, was it one day before Christmas, yeah. essentially? Yeah. Well, we get the introduction of Pitari and his father, you know, and his father's out there in his workshop, whatever, butchering that fucking pig and stuff. And he tells his son, he's like, don't look. But he's his son's telling him the story because... I thought that was meant to be a little bit more foreshadowing than it is. I think all yeah. it's doing is setting up that shed as an important place. I agree. Yeah, because there is a scene, it harkens back a little bit, but they don't but not they don't much. lean into it. No. no, it's just to give you a little bit of that taste. But the point being in this scene is because he and his buddy are from earlier, Pitari, while that stuff was going on with that excavation team, they had snuck up the mountain, right? And they overheard all that stuff. And immediately, Pitari... He's like, he knows Santa Claus is up here. And his friend Yuso is like, does he still believe in that stuff? He's like, and then he's the guy who's dressing up as Santa Claus. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. But the kid's still holding on like, nope. So off air, we looked up the stats on that mountain and we were kind of making fun of it being kind of a pussy mountain. It's still not the most impressive mountain of all time, but technically its prominence is five times that of what's sitting outside our doors right now. So yeah. We're also, though, in the bottom of the valley, and they're not. So the prominence doesn't count as oh, much dude. for them. Yeah. I mean, if you're sad, They're already sentence. halfway up one of the hills. Yeah. You can kind of tell, because you can see where they're looking down, and there's more down below them. No doubt. You're right. They're a little way up there. Mm-hmm. But it's not yeah. as pussy as we were saying off air, now that I looked up some yeah. of the stats. <laughs> I, you know, it's all in relation to stuff. You know what I mean? It's all relative, but... I was going to say, if you're stacking that up against some of the stuff up in Glacier, yeah, then that's a different ballgame. That's a different ballgame. Yeah. It, but it's all relative once again. So, so the thing I like about the way they're setting these things up is early on, you know, there's something in that mountainside. What exactly? And, you know, it's alluded to that Santa is, but you don't know what version of Santa they're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and all you're getting are like these wood carvings and shit. Right. And it doesn't seem major. And even that one core drill they have, you don't necessarily see what's in it. It's just that there's enough evidence for that guy, Riley, to be like, okay, we need to keep going and, Mm -hmm. like I said, rob the grave and stuff. And once the kid, he's doing that research from the opening credit scenes, right? Into Santa Claus and all that stuff. And he fell asleep and he sees the footprints outside his window. Well, and right before that, his buddy Yuso is trying to tell him, like, dude, Santa's not real. It's all fucking game. They've been pulling the fucking wool over your eyes. All of them are in on it. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's basically calling his buddy, you know, you're still a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what sets up this whole movie being just about a kid finding out what Santa really is. Yeah, you know, except he <laughs> happens to be in the home of the OG Santa. All right, man. It's like, yeah, I I realize it's not Coca Cola Santa, bro. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and so now he not only knows that Coca Cola Santa isn't real, he's fucking scared his balls of Santa. Yeah, because of the shit that we talked about earlier, like the images he was seeing in those books he was reading, and it's not pretty sight, and especially what he does to kids. So, you know, he's already on high alert, and like I said, his dad wakes him up out of that sleep, and they have their conversation out there in the shed and whatnot. But the whole point is, is that day is the day of the roundup, and we learned the roundup is when the town are rounding up all those reindeer in this pen they had set up, and unfortunately for them, when they are doing that, two come out, and they're expecting more behind it, 
right? And they're like, oh, what the hell is going on? And they go out in that glacier part, I suppose, of what it is, that lake or whatever. Mm-hmm. They see all those carcasses, and it's right against the edge of that gate or that fence that the kids snuck through. And <laughs> I don't know if it's a coincidence. This is maybe the timing, but they're like, those damn Russians. <laughs> I'm like, damn, of course it's Russians. It's fucked. It's always Russians. <laughs> but yeah, like I so said, the point is, is those two kids, they're like, oh, shit, maybe we're responsible for it. And we find out, like, that town's going to lose about $85,000 plus this tax that's like 22% on top of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. And that pretty much will bankrupt them. That puts them out for food for the whole winter and all that shit. And you can. Other than what they can. Right. Just kind of scrounge up. Yeah. Because. But they still have food, but not. I was going to say, this is an entire community of hunters. They're still yeah. going to get something. Yeah, we know. Positive. We like, know they've got at least potatoes. These guys seem like they know what they're doing. They're going to bag something, even if it means they're eating wolf meat through the winter. I was thinking just that, too. It's like, they're going to survive regardless. It's just not it's what just they gonna, wanted. It's going to be shit. It's going to be a fucking it's hell It's going to be a sh- yeah, shit winter. <laughs> but, you know, you got to do what you got to do, especially out there, dude. It's mm-hmm. That's survival, you know? So we get it, right? Pitari's having that, you know, like, ooh, maybe we should tell him. And Yusuf's like, you better shut your fucking mouth, homie. <laughs> I ain't going down over this shit. You know, it's like, there's no way there's wolves. But every time that that stuff happens, that kid, Pitari, I think he removes or like moves one of the carcasses aside and he sees the footprints. Right. And he's seeing little evidence that keeps he's making He's the only it. one that's putting it all together because right. he got fucking scared and did all the research. Exactly. He's like, you know what? I want to put this out in the field and see if it tests against what I'm reading. This is an amazing, like, elementary school age empowerment story. This kid totally is learning and being the one to overcome everything. And it's festive and <laughs> it great. still has a bunch of dong. It does. <laughs> so you get a little bit of it all. That's what we're saying here. Right. So some of my other notes is once I start writing this stuff down is because of all that shit, right? They're going to confront when I say they, it's uh, like Imo and Piperen and then. Uh, Rauno, which is uh, Pitari's father, mm-hmm. they go up the mountain and they're going to confront those guys and try to get their money. But when they go up there, it's abandoned. And they know something because they see that fucking, he's like, you need to come out here. And they see the huge hole that goes mm-hmm. in there. And he throws out flare and he's like, okay, <laughs> they're doing something right. Like, so once again, the kid knows, you know, he's like, it's, it's just a hoax. Oh, this is what I wrote down because this is exactly what the kid's saying, Pitari to his friend Yusuf. He says, the real Santa was totally different. He says the Coca-Cola Santa is just a hoax. So he already knows is what mm-hmm. we're getting at. We've already said that. So Christmas Day, kind of sad. You know, the, the dad's trying his best. Feed him gingerbread cookies and all that shit. This is another one of those good... There was really good background building with all just the barest details through this. Yeah. Because they never, like... We don't have long extended scenes of like the father having to deal with his grief or the kids still missing the mother. But you have these little scenes where he's just like, it's just like mom used to make. Right. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm trying. It's, exactly. Exactly. So it gives you just enough without having to really dive into it. And it, you don't really need to you in the characters so right. well. And I think it, it makes their partnership, their chemistry and stuff in this film I don't know, maybe more infectious, more, you know, part of what the film's about mm-hmm. instead of deviating from that or taking away from that. As you were bringing up the reindeer bit again and what they were expecting to do with the Roundup Day, bear in mind, 
slaughtering these reindeer is what's going to keep the community going and going to keep meat in their bellies. Yeah. And you'll notice that every adult in that fucking scene had a rifle, right? They did. They were ready. I've said it like 15 times now, but the movies, <laughs> you know, a kid kind of growing up and realizing what Santa really is. The whole plan was for the kid to grow up some this year. Yeah, exactly. Because this is his first year that his father's taking him to the roundup. So it's you're right, just he's that still young. It's the same plan. It's just the plan has went vastly awry. He was still supposed to have this kind of fucked up moment where he was going to see the slaughter of a lot of reindeer. Yeah. Hold up in that electric fence because they're not getting out. Right. Yeah. And you're right. The town's got their rifles ready, mm-hmm. shotguns ready. And so it was already meant to be this growing loss of innocence moment for him. Yeah. And it, it still and it is. it still ends up being that. <laughs> yeah, it still is. But in a completely different manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So that is kind of neat. That it kind of just reinforces that theme in a way. It does. Yeah. It does without having to resort to like the old tradition. And it's just, this is something different for him. This is his way of growing up. And then he still ends up seeing the slaughtered reindeer. He does. Just in a, a different manner. It's still horrific. In a context that's even scarier to him because of that foot. Right. And it's like, oh, this is very, very, very sinister. A lot more sinister probably than, you know, us trying to survive for the winter. Mm -hmm. This is just slaughter. Yeah, not good. So like I said, Christmas Day, you know, the kid said the trap. Dad's like, all right, you're grounded for the day. And or the kid goes outside. He's going to take a piss. And when he comes back or going back toward the house, he notices that. The pit that his dad dug earlier in the film, Pighead's missing. And so they go looking, and that's when they find... That means there should be a wolf in there. Right. That's That's what the whole point is. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, damn, that must have been a big-ass wolf. (laughs) We see his father making that trap. There's no way he got that last stake to fucking stay upright. Not the way he was fucking with it. (laughs) No. (laughs) He was struggling with that motherfucker. (laughs) But yeah, regardless, like, man, if you fall in that trap, you are... You're either fucked up or you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it ain't pretty. So what I'm getting at is the dad sees or feels that body and he's like, oh, immediately he's like, all right, you got to go back in the house. <laughs> you know, and because of all the shit that the kid knows, I'm sure at that point he's like, well, let me see it. For him, it's kind of like more proof because he's wanting to tell everybody in town, but they keep kind of blowing him off about it. Mm-hmm. Because I think for them... And the way the film is setting this up is that they think that he's going to tell them about the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. Yeah. They don't realize that he's about to be like, dude, guys, Santa's fucked. We probably shouldn't (laughs) be talking about this guy anymore. Well, you know, we we haven't mentioned this, too, but I thought it was kind of clever because it goes back to that 2007 short about the whole safety instruction thing. Mm -hmm. Is that that guy, Riley, after they find that sawdust, he hands him out those little flyers, whatever they are. And he's like, like, what the fuck is this? Wash behind your ears? This is bullshit. He's like, watch your mouth, you know, and he sets it up that way. So they're giving you just enough to mm-hmm. let you know this. These are the rules. You it better abide by them. me of fucking trick or treat. Yeah, there's trick rules. Trick or the... treat. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to confuse at this point. We've done fucking three variations of that. But you're right. This is setting the rules for this particular holiday. And if you don't play by those rules, there are consequences. We do know that. So with that in mind... I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit because oh, yeah, there's, there's a part where Pietari does finally get his dad's attention and he starts talking to him and he's like, you just got to fucking whip me. 15 lashes should be good. Yeah, I've been bad. I've been bad. We got to get this fucking over with so that I've already been punished. Because there's rules and because they do seem to matter, 
because of like when we see the elves attack, when some of the rules are broke at different parts, especially with like the cussing after they get the instructions and shit. And You're right. If his father would have punished him, would it have made the elves stop coming after him? Perhaps. I mean, him specifically, yeah, you would think. Right. At this point, you can say, or you can, you can at least think that they got snatched up because they were bad. Yeah. You know? And if he had probably got his due punishment, everything would have been hunky-dory. It would make sense. I would think it would. Something I was wondering during that scene. No, no, after, after watching it the first time, I was like, yeah. so <laughs> Maybe it does the... seem to follow the rules. Yeah. So <laughs> does that mean if his father would have just fucking done it, he would have been safe? All right. Eventually, we do learn who that fucking elf is. I mean, he's an elf. He's not the real Santa Claus. Yeah, they all think he's Santa around. for a long time. And, and look, I did too. I thought, for... I thought he was. <laughs> I did too. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's they... no reason to think he's not. At this point. All the signs lead to it, right? Or point to it. Before, okay, I'm going to jump back into that little middle part for a second that I skipped over before, because I do think that there's a cool area of horror that once again sets this in like the kid fantasy adventure thing. And it's that little bit between where they get the body and where he actually knows what the fuck is going on when he's actually sitting in there with them and they see him hanging up and shit. And everyone's kind of on the same page in that moment. Right, yeah. There's a bit in there where the horror is the really good playing on the scaredness that little kids can get when they're only getting a portion of the story. He knows that a body is being fucking brought into that place. Yeah, his dad's continuing not to let him see this shit. Right. Yeah, because at some point, his dad's friend, that guy Piperin, and comes over dressed as Santa Claus, and he's like, "No, no, no, we got to take care of something." And they, he sees him drag something he knows is a fucking body. Like, there's a part of a kid that's suddenly going to be like, "Did my dad fucking kill somebody?" Right. And not only that, they're like, "What are we going to do?" And there's a little bit of that could have gone real dark. Where they were contemplating just going ahead and butchering his body up. Yeah. Until he like pulls away. Like, oh, hold on. This motherfucker is alive. <laughs> but that's as far as it goes with that. Well, that's as far as it goes with that. But even though the kid's smart enough that he has a little bit of an idea of what's going on. But even when he first gets in there with the elf and they realize that it's reacting to him. His dad is pretty much offering him up to it. Right. Just to get a reaction. Which is then another scary thing. You're already don't know what's going on. Like you're on the edge because you already have proof in your mind that you're getting stalked by somebody. Things are starting to get weird all over the place. Now your dad's acting super fucking weird. And now that you finally get in here and see what the fuck's going on, you're being offered up. What the fuck? (laughs) I thought it was just masterfully done like little kid terror. Yeah, because this film really is from the POV of the kid. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes sense. That's a horrifying thing to think, like you were just saying. If you were offered up at that point, it's like, what is going on, man? Who can you trust? Right. I do also kind of like that him figuring out that they have the elf in there before he's actually brought in there very much mirrors him being spied on by the elf. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> there are some things that they do in this film. I think it's clever mirroring just in different Mm-hmm. different style you know I, I thought it was really cool um where are we at at some point because the dad sees Patari, you know looking in the window that's when Patari runs away and then flags down the sheriff and the oh, dad right. follows them into town 
And when they're in town, that's when Imo comes out and is telling the sheriff, hey, my wife's hairdryer was stolen. The sheriff tells her, like, there's some weird stuff going on. Everybody's radiator was, like, pulled from the walls. Some really weird stuff's going on. And then Imo is like, I want to show you something. They go inside that barn or whatever it is. He shows them all the potatoes. He's like, but they took my sacks. <laughs> what the hell's going on? I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty mm -hmm. clever. But there's a purpose for that, right? There always is. So anywho, after that, because they're in town, Pitari wants to go check on his friend Yuso. And when he goes upstairs, he finds that, well, he also finds that straw effigy in the that sack in the pit. Because he does go back to the pit. Oh, that's right. But then, yeah, when he goes upstairs, he sees it in Yuso's missing, but that straw doll is in the bed. And here's what's kind of funny, is when he's trying to tell the sheriff and his dad, Naimo, they're like, oh, Yuso's probably chasing girls. He's like, we used to do that. <laughs> He'll be back like, later. We used to just stack up pillows. I, yeah, and they were cool. They were like, whatever, he's chasing some tail, man, you know? <laughs> I'm like, this kid, that kid can't be like, what? 11, 12? Yuso's not chasing tail. I mean, if he is, yeah. I mean, he might good, be, but... But good luck. <laughs> well, I'm getting that. Okay, so here's what happens. Is Rano, he knows that Imo can speak English, so he needs him as a translator. He doesn't quite tell him. He's just like, I need you to speak English. So they go back. That's when they're like, oh, they're going to speak English to him, see what he is. They think he's a part of the excavation crew because eventually they find that passport and it's right. like Brian Green. Now, here's what I was telling about the trivia part. I thought was kind of funny. This is the only trivia you're going to get on the database. But the guy's passport number is 314-159-265. The first several digits of pi. Jesus. I'm like, all right. Anyway, that's when the guy starts to like snip. Oh, no, they, they got him cowered up and shit at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, like he was sniffing at the gingerbread and shit, and he could always tell when okay, it was the care was around and... Some of yeah, that was he's pretty right good. Outside. Yeah. The like suddenness of him attacking Peter Renan is pretty telegraphed, but it's not bad. No, it's not, because he's got that gingerbread and he's eating mm -hmm. it. And he, he's like, oh. And he's mumbling some shit and then he leans in. Yeah, you know, so we get the cutaway and all that stuff, but Peter Renan was a pretty fucking dope looking Santa Claus. His fucking sunglasses and shit. Yeah, he was good, man. I liked him. It would have been a cool one to come through town, you right, know? Yeah. So after all that stuff happens. That's when the kid starts calling his friends or the local kids in town, trying to get a hold of them. And he's like marking off his list. They're all missing, right? I said, this is when, you know, the guys are trying to ask. We've already said it was an elf. They're trying to, trying to figure out who the fuck he is and all this stuff. But that's so, when the kid comes in and he he stands up and he's telling me, he's like, no, that's Yulapuki. That's Santa Claus. And then, you know, he's also like, all oh, the kids are gone. They tie him up. This is when the radio goes off in that coat. And that's the guy, Riley. And he's like, Mr. Green, Mr. Green, are you there already? He's like, 30 minutes till we land. He's like, is Santa ready to fly? So that's enough, right? Oh, shit, we got Santa Claus, right? That's when Rano answers. And uh, he tells Riley that he has Santa for sale. So they're sitting up a meeting. And they meet him out in some, I don't know exactly where it is, like these hangars, you know what I mean? That's when the helicopter comes down, that guy Riley's in it. And, you know, they're trying to negotiate. What they're basically wanting is their losses for that winter because of the reindeer. That's all they really want, plus the vat, you know. Mm -hmm. And well, Riley's like, Where, where's the goods, you know? I want to see the goods. They show him, and the guy's looking, you know, and the eyes start to light up and shit. 
the eye effect was one of my favorite things in the movie. It looked it was, good. It was so subtle, but once you noticed it, you couldn't not notice it. Right. It's good. I mean, it, it gives it another you know dimension to this film too. He tells him, he's like, oh, no, that's not Santa. We never get any indication either way for 100% certainty. You could argue that some of the end argues that they probably understand at least a little bit, but do the elves even speak Finnish? Oh, that, I don't know. Or understand Finnish? That's a good point. I really don't know. Based on the history, do they possibly speak Sami? Yeah, they might be like an older. And is there enough overlap between traditional Sami and modern day Finnish that they'd still be able to understand? Perhaps, but yeah, that's that's a good question, dude. That really is. That gets a little bit deeper. Right? <laughs> yeah. At a certain point during the second watch through all the different times they were trying to communicate with the elf, I'm like, it ain't working. I'm, is he getting any of it? Like, yeah, I mean, he may. It's just there's not enough for him to react. Perhaps I don't know. That's a good question, though. You know, I know it goes beyond the film, but it's still a good question. Mm-hmm. I'd argue they probably know Sami at least, right? Yeah, I would think because that's what it's rooted in. You know, this story essentially mm-hmm. the Sami people buried, you know, Santa Claus, whatever, Yulapuki. So yeah, it makes but maybe sense. not. Just because they were terrorizing them doesn't mean they understood them. Yeah. So. And do we know definitively they're finished just because they're in Finland? <laughs> they might be the Russians they were talking about. <laughs> I'm just joking, but you know what I mean. Wasn't in a fucking troll hunter? Wasn't it a Russian bear that they were blaming? The- yeah, they were. See what I mean? It's always the Russians, man, because they're that close. It's an easy excuse. That's hilarious. That's another example. All right. <laughs> so what happens? Riley inspects, quote unquote, Santa Claus. He's like, no, you guys need to listen to me. We need to be really careful. So that's not Santa. That's one of the elves. And then that's when all those elves start to surround them. And then he gets that pick axe to the head. And like, oh, shit. <laughs> one of the things that weakens the movie a little bit for me, especially upon rewatch, is that we never find out. We hear it's his childhood dream, but we hear nothing else mm. of why fucking Scrooge McDuck wanted Santa Claus. <sighs> exactly. For a prize, perhaps. But you're right. We don't know for sure. He says yeah. it, and that's all we know, really. And it's, I guess it doesn't weaken the movie that much, but, but I no, am I mean, sitting there's... there wondering, like, why is all of this being undertaken in the fucking first place? Yeah. Other than it's your fucking pipe dream, which I guess I can deal with, because that was kind of John Hammond in Jurassic Park, and it doesn't make that movie any less either. <laughs> no, I, I agree. But, you know, I mean, the way that it's set up, you know, like, this is this guy's childhood dream. Mm-hmm. Why is it your dream? <laughs> Why is finding the grave of Santa your dream? What are you robbing from the grave? Are I know. I you're don't suddenly know. very, still very okay with it in that middle scene when it, it's got a fucking heartbeat. We yeah. hear that through the radio. Exactly. He's like, it's not cargo. It's got a fucking heartbeat. Exactly. <laughs> and he's still like super down with it, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that's better or worse. Like, <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. It is weird. Uh, here's what I like too. A little bit earlier on, we have already mentioned the advent calendar when the kid's, you know, opening the little windows, whatever. He winds up taping door 24, mm-hmm. right? And in this case, because of all the shit that's happening with his dad, you know, Imo and that other guy, the lights go out and uh, the kid finds hangar 24 and he goes inside. And then as that's happening, the men wind up running into the hangar and then Pitari's looking up. And I thought it was really cool because... He tells them that the elves built Santa a nest. And when you find out the size of Santa Yolopoki, you're like, God damn. Because you see 
those huge horns mm-hmm. coming out of the ice. And of course, you see all those radiators. Imo finds his wife hair dryer. That was kind of funny. You know, so little humor like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still incorporating it. But also we find all the kids in the sacks in there and stuff like that. And they're surrounded by the elves. And there's a shit ton of naked elves outside. You want to know the scariest thing about the swarm of naked elves? Those guys all legitimately shot naked outside the finish winner. Yeah. So they were all dealing with shrinkage, which means some of those guys are fucking tripods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. That's fucking hilarious. Uh, well, all right. I mentioned this earlier, too. I was like, there is a little saving grace in this, right? And is the scenes with the kid by Tari. You know, there's, I know we're going to get to it, but there is a scene where he's getting chased by them. Oh, yeah. But it's all green screened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was like insert shots, essentially. So he was in front of the green screen and then they inserted all that shit in post. So he never saw any of the naked guides. It's super noticeable at one point because whenever it goes in tight on him, right? You can kind of see nothing in the background. Yeah. That's a good point, too. Yeah. And then when you go to the wide shots, it's obvious that he's surrounded. There you go. <laughs> you know, so I was like, ooh, at least that's a saving grace. He didn't have to look at him. And <laughs> probably you so didn't either, but we did. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, while they're inside, the kid comes up with a plan. They've even said, we're going to die inside if we don't get out. So the kid's like, all right, because Piperin then wound up getting the, into the helicopter, he's like, this is what we're going to do. He says, we're going to get all the kids in the sacks. You're going to airlift them out with me and all those elves. He doesn't say this, so I'm just, you know, paraphrasing stuff. Is that they're going to follow him and he has a plan. At this point, their only mission is to grab the kids. Exactly. At this point. They got everything else they need to do. Right. Because what, what they're trying to do is unthaw Santa. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, even when Santa they said that shit, it made these, sense. Right. Yeah. These badass kids. <laughs> they're in sacks. There's a reason. So, anyway. He gets airlifted out, and of course, all that shit's green screened. <laughs> There's some uh, real shots. You There's... know, for how obvious of CG that was, mm-hmm. I thought they did a good job of Yeah, it wasn't that bad. I'm like, there's no way that little kid's hanging on that fucking high up. No. That's not the point, though. The point is, is the plan is, he's like, all right, Pippernin, they're following us. We're going to go to those reindeer pens. So he wants to round them up. He's basically wanting to sacrifice himself for the greater good of the village and all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know? He just assumes that they're there for him. He's going to end it all, all that good stuff. So as that's happening, Imo and his dad are still in the hangar, and they start rigging up explosives from the excavation crew. They found all those crates and shit. And uh, they eventually get out, and they blow the fucking the, hangar up and stuff. The only actual one-liner of the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're going to say. Uh, the fucking, I guess now we know how he can be in a zillion places at once. That's kind of funny. In a sense, it makes sense, you know, because they're going to blow this mother. I love that they fucking decide to take trophies first. Yeah, they saw. And chainsaw off his fucking horns. Exactly. At first, they show you the one, and I just assumed it was the one. Like, Because I've only seen this once, and that was last year, so I don't remember all of it. But on the ride and the detonation, you're like, oh, they got both of them. (laughs) Yeah, and they blow that mother up. And then because of that, in correspondence, the kids in the pen, all the naked dudes, the elves, drop their shovels and pickaxes. And... It's like, oh, all right, we save the day. These guys are not a threat, you know? And this is where the rare exports name comes in play, which I thought was really clever. It's so fucking charming and cute when you find out that the name of this movie is Rare Exports because the happy ending of this movie is them making 
the rare exports company to export mall santas exactly this is supposed to be an explain where mall santas come from. i thought that was so clever right and the really cool thing is i should have wrote who'd written this down not that it matters but the quote of it is and this is a good way to surmise the film is it's the miracle of christmas for them yeah you know because what happens is they got all those elves round up and they're like how much do you think we can fetch for one of these and of course eighty five thousand dollars and they're like well how much is that total because the kid tells them it's like we got 198 santa clauses they had lost like 433 Mm -hmm. reindeer and he's like around sixteen million eight hundred thousand plus yeah. twenty two percent VAT. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa! Not only did the kids save Christmas, they're gonna get super rich now. You know, in relative terms. Mm-hmm. And anyhow, I like how they do the three hundred twelve days to Christmas. They wash up all the naked elves. You know, get them all cleaned up. Seventy six days. I put the elves are trying to be kind to the kids, and it has Rano and uh, Pitari, which is weird. But it's European, so, you know, I'm going to let it slide. The weird part was how much they were teaching the Santas to pet the kids. That's what I'm getting at. That's like, that's not totally kosher. Right. Although, but in the context of this. That, as long as you're keeping the hand on that back, whatever. You're just a weird Santa. Right, like, right. It, it, the, <laughs> this film is not playing into that. It's just how you can read into it is what I'm getting at, too. It was just we both really know. weird how much they were. Right, there was a lot of petting. And there's even a point where they get one of them gets disciplined. Yeah. For not betting enough, <laughs> you know. And the one tries to get into the present instead, and they're like, "No, that's no, no, not no, for you. That's for the kid." <laughs> and the petting the face, yeah, it's weird. I would have been freaked out as a kid if a mall Santa or any type of Santa was trying to do that to me. Yeah, like, I don't want gifts this year. Your knee's already fucking bony enough, Mister. Oof. Oof. <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> All right, twenty four days to Christmas, and this is where I put. The elves are being shipped off. So you see an elf dressed as Santa Claus in one of the crates. They close it up, and it's going to, well, like, Zanzibar, yeah, Tanzania. Mm-hmm. And then you see their hangar full of all those rare export crates. And now then they have a cargo plane, essentially. So, okay, this was the questions I had at the very end of this movie, is that even though we got that countdown from one year, I almost have to assume that it's not one year. It's like this is after this first year, after they've gotten their routine down. I could see that, yeah, because we don't know exactly if it's right after. Like you said, there's been some other time transpired. otherwise, they found some buyers that were willing to front the cash way in advance to get a fucking fleet of cargo planes. That's what I'm kind of thinking, too. I was like, that money probably was fronted if they're having this kind of shit. I mean, it makes somewhat sense. Because otherwise, this is at least a year down the line where they've made their first profit, and then they've found some way to harvest elves, which I want to see that movie. Dude, I know. That'd be awesome. Well, all right, all right, right. And one of the short, I think it's the first short, the incorporated movie, uh, Rare Earth Sports Incorporated, mm-hmm. whatever, is that it shows them a little bit more how they were hunting the elves instead mm-hmm. of rounding them up. So it was more in line with that. This is kind so of so you'd have to assume that's how they're going to keep the business going. Then they're actually hunting ex- elves in this uh, rounding them up expanded universe, right? Version. Right, right. And then the second version, the sequel to that short, the one about the safety rules, that one was laying the foundation for the excavation crew that they gave us in this film from earlier, right? Right. So they're incorporating those two, and then we get the full length that they flesh it out with um, a lot of different artist renderings of how the town was going to be set up, and mm. so that gave them a lot more financing. You know, like, oh, okay, they actually have a bigger vision 
than just what we saw on the short. So I think all of it's pretty cool. And, and you can really play with this too. I know we like to do that from time to time with films, but this is another one of those you could really expand upon too. It's still interesting enough. Well, I was going to say like, we're not strangers to proposing spinoffs that'll never happen. <laughs> so my spinoff of this that'll never happen is I want a high budget, dark period action horror that is the story of the Sami people entrapping them in the first place. I was just thinking that too. I was like, that would be a killer story. The big downside of this movie is you never actually see St. Nick. Right. You just see him in that big eye sheet, essentially. But that's it. You just get a glimpse. You don't see the full deal, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. the whole Happy Meal. So give me that, Happy where dope. it's like a bunch of villages having to team up because their kids are getting slaughtered by this giant know, demon, be, basically, yeah. that lives in the woods and has these old men as fucking killer minions. Oh, man. That would be awesome, too. And the origin story of how he came to be and stuff like that, and like I said, leading into him being trapped, perhaps. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit you can play with just in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be really awesome. And make it dark and gory. I'm also curious now... He's the only one that's trapped, but have the elves been active in some way this entire time, or is Mm. it now just that they're excavating? And because they're excavating, they've been drawn particularly to this region rather than fucking off whatever, doing whatever the hell they do. making toys. Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, were they dormant, or because of these events, were they like, like I said, they were drawn to Were they active, and now they're drawn this way? Yeah. Uh, You know, that's a good point, too. That's another thing we could play with, a toy with. No puns, but you know what I'm saying? Or not we. Whoever. I know this is our... This <laughs> I, is don't, a, I don't know enough uh, yeah, Finnish no, versions no, no. of uh, Santa to be the one right in this movie. No, 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 but. No, no. Just our ideas. That's what it is. <laughs> our ideas for it. Yeah, because there's no way. In, I mean, unless you want to throw us a bunch of money, we try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you want to let us try to make like the $50 million version of this... We have the landscape for it. I don't know if we have the you know, proper means for it, so to speak. Exactly. I don't know how to make a movie. Yeah, we try. <laughs> Ain't going to be good, but I mean, maybe. At the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think if that's you're, really you're cool going to give me a fucking... Yeah. If you're going to give me any <clears throat> extra rare exports, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Not to sound Debbie Downer. I don't know Followed how interested... by the maybe elf hunting version of right, this. Right, I was going to say, I don't know how interested I'd be in a sequel per se, because how much can you do after this fact? But I think prequel with the Sami people, like you were saying, I think that's a really cool tale that can be told with the right people. And I think you can make that version dark and bloody as shit. Fuck yeah, you can, because it's already been alluded to, like... Like it's we're not saying, happy-go-lucky. No, 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 this is a guy that... The ending is happy-go-lucky. Right, but he's not... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we already know that from the shit we've seen, and I think it's a really cool thing that somebody, like I said, could play with if they want to do that. We'd love to see it. I would love to see it, too. Yeah, we both would. That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I think overall, this, like I said, it's a fun film. The score, even though it's not like, you know, super involved with it, I think it gives it just enough to where it gives you that sense of, you know, whether it's an action beat, an up, mm-hmm. uh, good feeling, I suppose, or... The presence of those elves and shit, brooding stuff. So it does just enough. I already said I like listening to Finnish music. So a plus side for me is just hearing this much of the Finnish language, even though I don't understand a it's fucking really lick of it. really cool. No, no, no. Sometimes I have to close my eyes and try to pick out words they're saying. And then I'm all, only then I'm only catching like uh, somebody's name and then maybe reference back to Santa Claus. 
while I was watching it, I thought I was able to figure out what the word for father is, but now at this point, Esau. I've smoked it away. Esau. It's yeah. Esau. I remember that Esau. much. Yeah. Cause it's like, that's not hard to remember. That's not too hard. Esau. Yeah. I remember that one. So we know that in a few names. <laughs> there's a lot of J's, a lot of A's, a lot of L's, a lot of T's and I's. A lot of double vowels. Yeah. There's a lot of that. So, you know. We'll try if we run across another finished film. That being said, this is probably going to make me listen to Corpaclani all the rest of this week. Damn, awesome, As we were dude. just like jamming out. That was really fun, man. I enjoyed listening to that too. It was really cool. Maybe some Teresa's Therosa finish. Him is finish. Yeah. If, you get, if you all get down on like, if you were like me and used to get down on some fucking Viva La Bam. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, 69 Eyes. Lordy. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> no, I mean you give people. That's good. I'm just some I'm just listing off my playlist for the week. That's that's all I'm doing now. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, dude. But yeah, once again, I'm glad we chose this one. I think it's a really good. Whether you're into Christmas, you know, like Santa Claus per se, but just a good holiday season film. People are sleeping on this one. It's a good way to mix it up. If you want dark, fun Christmas, you don't always have to turn to Gremlins or Scrooged. Right. Mix this into your rotation. Yeah, it's a fun one. I think it fits right into it. It's a fun flick. If you want an alternative Christmas tale. I agree. And if you're looking, once again, for like a European film or... Yeah, this is right up that alley. So yeah, I agree. We haven't decided exactly what yet. No, no, no. I know we've been alluding that we want to do something nasty. But next week, we're going to do something more fucked up than not. Yeah, nasty boys. (laughs) We're not sure what yet. We're about to talk about that. But if this was a little bit too saccharine sweet for you by the end of it, I mean, we've had two horror comedies in a row. Right. We have to mix it up. I mean, we've done this long enough to where we've mentioned that in the past. It's like, we don't want to go too far either way. So sometimes you got to rein it back in. And that'll damn near be ringing in the new year with a fucked up flick, right? I think you're right. That might be a good way to kickstart the new year. I'm going to take a look to see when this... You're right around it. This is... It's going to come out just because of our release schedule and our recording schedule. It's going to be coming out New Year's on Day? fucking New Year's Day at midnight. Dude, that's awesome. Hell yeah. So, there so you go. that's how we're going to kick off the new year. Something fucked. Because yeah. 2020 was already fucked. That's right. So we're going to just channel it all into a movie. <laughs> yeah, man. I like that, dude. I think it's going to be fun. And we'll make sure it's worth the price of admission. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms? Out. Hi everybody, Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.